Last episode, we talked about, imagine being in a church, a mega church of about 40,000 people, and your influential pastor decides to affirm same-sex attraction, or at least hint and dance around the idea that maybe God's okay with same-sex relationships. We talked about how Andy Stanley did this at a pastor's conference, Um, and so we have a lot more thoughts to share on this. We can't wait for you to hear. You're listening to Above Approach Church Podcast, a podcast created for the local church. Our goal is to tackle tough church issues through thoughtful conversations like the one you're about to hear. Whether you're a church leader or a layperson, we pray this episode empowers you to play your role within the global, timeless family of God. This is Above Approach Church Podcast. All right, we're back. We're back. Last episode, we talked about uh, Andy Stanley, megachurch pastor. Um, tried our best not to roast the guy. We're not here <laughs> to put someone under the flames at all. Yeah. Right, we're here to be thoughtful and charitable and understanding. So if we came across as uh, rude or demeaning, that was not at all our desire. So just no. know that. But mm. there are a few more clips we'd like to address as it relates yeah. to church life and these big church issues and things that you as a church member and as a church leader are going to have to navigate. You, you can only shy away for so long and hide mm-hmm. in the Jesus corner. These things are going to come out and you're going to have to confront these things, stand mm-hmm. on the truth and have a position. So um, we're going to continue our conversation on Andy Stanley and the, the recent clip that came out from um, the Drive Conference, I believe is what it's called, where he talked to pastors and shepherds, preachers, leaders, okay, and um, this is the first clip we want to get to. Uh, no more messing around. Let's get to it. We need to get the next generation to acknowledge that. They assume that. But as long as they think that we don't understand that, they can't hear us. Okay. They just can't have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no, and they still love God. Pause it. Yeah, pause it, Ruslan. Thanks. (laughs) So we talked in the last episode. If you haven't already watched it, go watch this. It's probably a good idea for you to know what we're talking about than to just jump into this. But we talked about how it's just not helpful to identify people according to their sexual orientation mm. or, or or struggle or you know what they believe about themselves. No one on the planet is the sum total of their own, uh, I don't know, desires struggles. And, and struggles mm-hmm. and weaknesses. You might say, well, the unbeliever doesn't know Christ and they're under condemnation. Mm. Well, they are absolutely separated from God and can change. And until then, they, they actually are of the darkness and they're actually like of the camp of the enemy. And they are identified with that rebellion for sure. Mm-hmm. But when you come to Christ, everything changes. And Andy mm. Stanley's talking about like the, it seems like the believer who struggles with same-sex attraction um, uh, he calls them the gay men and women who want to participate in our church. Defines them as that. Exactly. It's just unhelpful to think in those terms and categories. But the question we're wanting to explore is to what degree 
and you need to think about this whether you're a church pastor or leadership or not, okay? Everyone listening to this likely attends a local church. To what degree should we allow certain individuals who struggle with sin to serve and lead? Mm. And in what areas should we allow? This is not just talking about those who struggle with same-sex attraction. Because to put that on a different level than other sins, it's just unhelpful to think in those categories. Now, there are different consequences in this life for different sins. There's a variety of consequences, man. But at the end of the day... All sin equally condemns people in the sight of God and separates them from his presence if they're mm-hmm. not in Christ. But the flip side is also true. If we're in Christ, we're all equally forgiven and righteous. Mm. And so what, whatever side you're looking at, sin is not always uh, going to have the same kind of uh, consequences. So um, he's talking about allowing people t- who struggle with same-sex attraction to participate in church's lead um, and I can't say, I guess I will say this. I've had personal experiences where I have, um, allowed certain people to lead knowing certain struggles they've had hmm. and it didn't disqualify them. Um, maybe there are some changes I could have made. If I go back in time, sure. I would change the way I let them lead. I would change the, maybe even the conditions they need to meet to continue leading. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I did it perfectly, but there are certain people I allowed and certain people that I thought, ah, you need to take a break for now. Kind of like the whole Matt Chandler situation where he didn't even do anything necessarily like evil or inherently yeah, sinful, right. maybe toying around with the line. But, you know, he's kind of put on a uh, timeout, you might say. He's yeah. just, hey, let's take a break, buddy. Yeah. Um, and so there have been times where I've had to do that and recognize in – in the lives of leaders around me. And you have to be a discerning mm-hmm. leader. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I at least was discerning in these moments mm-hmm. where I recognize, hmm, I, I, I believe that right now their struggle, their sin, their, you know, whatever it is, is actually impeding on their ability to lead well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do we be gracious mm-hmm. when it comes to understanding we're all struggling, we're not all sinners, okay? We're no longer identified with right. our sin, but we are believers who struggle with the flesh, how do we be gracious but not people-pleasing individuals that compromise our values? Because, hey, we all just struggle, so let's all just be okay with it and anyone can lead. We should have standards. Mm-hmm. We should have conditions. But we also shouldn't be so rigid and legalistic that we look at certain people you know, that struggle with certain sins and go, oof, yeah. I'm not sure you can lead. Because yeah. in your mind, you've decided that sin is more serious than others. So... Mm. What would you say to someone, and as you're thinking about that, what would you say to mm-hmm. someone who's thinking about, let's say I'm a church leader, and I'm like, I really don't know if I should allow them to lead. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's thinking through that, and how would you help them to make a better decision? And as you're thinking about that, um, let me just say this, that the level of participation and leadership is not going to be equal across the board. Mm -hmm. For instance, if I have someone who struggles with same-sex attraction um, or someone who struggles with lust and sexual morality, okay, let's just take the heterosexual man who has a a, a strong sexual drive and a lot of lust around that, okay, I'm probably not going to, you know, put them in... I guess, situations or leadership positions where they're constantly around Mm -hmm. a lot of women alone. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. 
in the same way, if someone struggles with same-sex attraction, I should probably be wise and discerning about where they lead, how mm. they lead, who they're alone with, and know they struggle with being attracted to men. And, and that should be at least a factor mm-hmm. it, when it comes to me thinking about where they can best fit in the, the local church. Yeah. And think about not putting a stumbling block before people in the name of being understanding and gracious. We're being yeah. understanding. You're putting an actual temptation in the face of this person every mm-hmm. day. And it's actually making their life harder, but you're calling it gracious leadership. Sure. So, I don't know. What would, what would you say to someone who's like, how do I navigate this? Who should I let lead? Yeah, I mean, I think it takes special boundaries, um, you know, to help out um, those that are struggling in sin. So, first and foremost, I would encourage that person, like, hey, like, you know, this happens in church theater leadership all the time. You know, people are struggling with sin all the time when they're, you know, helping serving or volunteering or things like that. And so what I would encourage them with is, you know, how I would approach it is to encourage that person first and foremost. Don't just point out the sin and say, okay, well, like you have an issue, you have a problem, like you're done. I would encourage the person and say, you know, thank you for serving. Like, thank you for your um, desire to help lead or things like that in, in these different ministry areas. Um, but then, you know, with that person in mind, knowing that they struggle with a, cer- a certain sin or a certain problem and it's open and it's, I mean, we wouldn't be having that conversation if you didn't know that that sin existed in their life. So I think what that, that takes for the leader then for the pastor, or, you know, whoever it might be is to create conditions uh, for mm-hmm. them to have to, um, not necessarily live up to, but to, um, abide by, you know, mm-hmm. that there's conditions, there's standards to be a leader, there's standards to be, um, serving in, you know, certain ministry areas. If you have an issue with alcoholism, maybe you shouldn't be, uh, evangelizing in, in the bar. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, plenty of opportunities to create healthy conditions in order to shepherd that person along the way, rather than just saying, okay, you got the boot, you're out because you know, your life's not, you know, set up right. We all have issues. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have problems, you know, it may not be to, to the extreme that that person is dealing with or what they're going through, but to have grace in that area and to That's create right. conditions for them to to abide by. We often think about these situations in one dimensional ways where it's like, it will always look like this. And this is always the kind of person that's going to be involved. And that's just not the case. Some churches are too relaxed, right? Mm -hmm. And they put people in leadership positions too quickly. Yeah. Other people, other church communities, and maybe some of you listening are like, yep, that's my church. They're, they're too strict. Their expectations are too high. Yeah. And it's almost like legalistically, uh, restrictive, where they're being, uh, you know, um, unreasonable mm-hmm. about the qualifications they have for certain leaders. It's like, look, bro, I just want to greet people. Uh, I, I'm not asking to teach from the pulpit. I'm just asking, can I greet people and and and, and invite people to certain, you know, uh, discipleship groups and such? So we should be thoughtful because I know some of you are like. Just give us the answer. How do we know when someone's ready for leadership? Yeah. Tell me how to deal with said situation. I can't give you one universal formula that no. works in every situation. No. There's variety in people and situations and, and struggles and weaknesses. Those have to be accounted for. And I think there are general wisdom principles. We could say, hey, this will always be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Always pray. Yeah. Always consult the Lord. Always um, get godly counsel from people you trust. You know, always... Uh, have some, maybe even fast, you know, yeah. and, and say, this is very serious. I need to know if this is someone I should appoint. Uh, when it comes to the online church that God has entrusted me to steward, mm-hmm. 
Um, it's weird. Like I do have a set of expectations I have regardless all across the board, mm-hmm. whether you're hospitality, whether you're, um, you know, a moderator online or whether you're just kind of in the online church facilitating prayer groups or whether you're teaching or preaching. I, I always expect the people to on paper and verbally agree with our cultural values, yeah. with our set of theological beliefs, mm-hmm. and go. It's just easier for us to know you're not going to get all wonky and go all over the place sure. if you agree with our cultural values, with our beliefs theologically, and not even just the secondary ones, but the primary ones. And then from there, each person I treat differently. It's almost like I have a different degree of conditions or expectations based on the role Mm -hmm. based on how long based on who they're interacting with and based on the person that i know i need to know people for me i need to know people well enough Mm. uh, to make a confident decision about where and what they'll be doing not their gifts i don't need to know about their gifts and how successful they are with it i want to know you well enough that i can confidently say Based on what I know about you, this seems like the most natural fit for you. Sure. That requires leaders who are involved in the lives of their people. Because like you said, it's we think of it one-dimensionally where it's like, well, will they negatively impact the people? It's not just about the people they will impact. Mm-hmm. It's are you discipling them in hopes that they will effectively lead other people? Because yeah. it's not just appoint them and then leave them alone. It's, I need to consider their faith in this mm-hmm. process. I need mm-hmm. to consider their life and, and their temptations and struggles mm-hmm. and obstacles. Too many times when we appoint leaders, we're only thinking about what they can do for the people they're leading instead mm-hmm. of like me thinking about how their leadership will personally impact them. Sure. And is that the most helpful to their faith? Is that the most conducive to their sanctification? Might I add to that, you know, if you are on the extreme of just... Uh, I guess uh, super high expectations, right? Um, what help is it to that person just to kick them out and to let them, you know, loose when you know that they are struggling with that sin? Um, I don't think that positively influences them to be encouraged to change and to be transformed from that uh, season or, you know, that struggle that they're dealing with. I think what really will help them is guidance and shepherding going alongside of them and um, showing that they're you're present, that there's leadership present in their life. I think that's what will help a lot rather than just, you know, kicking them, giving them the, the boot and, you know, <laughs> hoping and praying for the best for you, you know, see mm-hmm. ya. I hope all things go well. No, absolutely. Yeah. They need guidance. There needs to be standards, expectations of people, but there are some churches who legitimately, if they had a a believer come into their congregation, you know, is there for months and months, and they're faithfully t- attending and hearing the sermons, agreeing with the theologically mm-hmm. theological beliefs, and mm-hmm. and then they come up to the pastor and go, "Hey, I'd love to serve. I just struggle with same sex attraction." There are some churches that would go, "Oh, that's a no no." Like yeah. that would that. Uh, is that disqualifies you from leading in any capacity here. Hmm. And then there are other churches that would go, ooh, that's the very fact that you struggle is a reason <laughs> that you should lead mm. because more people need to see a struggling believer yeah. being used by God. And you know what? I think there's middle ground. Mm-hmm. I think there's, hey, I don't think their sin or their struggle is the reason that they should lead and the reason people need to see them and go, wow, the grace of God. Paul will say, like, why do you think God chose me? Like, he chose me to show you that anyone 
can come into the kingdom if he chose right. a murderer. Right. And so I, I think there's truth to the fact that me appointing every one of us struggles. So the fact that any one of us is leading is a testimony to God's grace, not mm-hmm. our ability, yeah. not my gifting, not my qualifications, but the grace and the power of God and his love for me. That's a testimony to that. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't see someone's failure or struggle as what disqualifies them indefinitely. Mm-hmm. I should be willing to work with them, disciple them, talk through these things, figure mm-hmm. out a good role that of leadership and service that and participation that actually fits, you know, their their giftings and desires. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I should also make sure that I'm not looking for certain people who struggle with different things and then go, oh, that's a reason you should lead mm-hmm. is the very fact that you struggle with that. We should, I struggle with a lot of things. You struggle with a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't believe we're saying any one sinful struggle disqualifies a believer from all forms of leadership mm-hmm. and all forms of service and participation. But there is going to be nuance to this conversation, Absolutely. which is some struggles and some degrees of struggle will probably keep a person from serving in certain roles because it's not wise to put them there. Yeah. You're considering their own faith, not just their own qualification, yeah. but their own faith in the process. Yeah. So Andy Stanley is going to drop some more bombs um and um this uh, one bombs, in particularly yeah. no, in particular not truth is, bombs necessarily uh, <laughs> let's see here he is all right guys listen to this one we have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love jesus that much and who want to worship with us and i know the verses i know the clobber passages right we have the clobber passages hold uh, on it's clobbering time <laughs> That wasn't good enough. Hold we, need on, one, we need one more time. This one's better. Yeah. It's clobbering time. The clobbering passages. He's going to like talk about Leviticus, Romans 1, um, other, other passages, 1 Corinthians 6, that mm-hmm. talk about, you know, some were used to be some of these people. He's talking to the Corinthians, I believe. Such were some of you. And I... I was thinking through this. I was like, why does that bother me that yeah. he cl- calls it a clobber passage? Yes, some people use scripture uh, in the wrong way. Some people weaponize scripture yeah. to exalt themselves and oppress people in the process, yeah. to stand above people, to hurt people, to to undermine people. They use it as a weapon to, for their own advantage. I get that. Mm-hmm. And we should never, ever use scriptures as a weapon or a method of exalting myself. Sure, But also... Don't minimize the scripture and go, well, people have weaponized these mm-hmm. to hurt people. Therefore, we should just disregard them entirely and just chalk them up to clobber passages. Yeah, yeah. He's going to, how about just the plain scriptures? That's just literally what they say. Yeah. Like these scriptures, you can talk around them all day. You can go, well, the Bible in 19 or 20, whatever. There's no way around mm. the clear statements that are made. Mm by God about same sexual relationships yeah. and what he thinks about that. There's and I know several believers, I'm not gonna name names because <laughs> they're beloved brothers and sisters. I know several believers who struggle with same sex attraction and agree with those passages. And they go they look at their own life and go, Wow, these desires I have mm-hmm. are not good. Yeah. Because God's word sets the standard for how I determine whether a desire is good or bad. And they agree with God instead of yeah. push back and go, well, I feel or I was born like this. Or they don't fight against it. They go, God, you know better. Hmm. And I agree with your assessment of same-sex desires and, and relationships. Now, might I add, like, 
This sounds personal to Andy. It could have a personal element. Which I wonder. Let's I've explore never, that. I never heard of clobber passages like that phrase being used ever in my entire life. So I wonder if this is a personal application for him. And, you know, maybe somebody had brought that up to him. Um, you know, someone close to him, you know, maybe that's why he's so passionate about the subject, but it seems that there's some sort of emotional pull on this and something personal. The way he said, I know the clobber passages. There might be a personal element to that Mm -hmm. past hurt and stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, he's just going to disregard it instead of address it. And he's mm-hmm. like, we, we could talk about that all day. Let's. Like, if you're going to tell a group of pastors, Please. hey, here's what we should do about uh, same-sex attracted individuals, you should at least address the passages that everyone knows. It's the, there's like 10 white elephants in the room. 10 elephants in the room. Mm-hmm. Why, why white elephants? There's 10 <laughs> elephants in the room. Okay? Address all of them. I think there's actually six passages. Yeah. But address them instead of dance around them or minimize them or disregard them. For those of you that are, are leaders, church leaders especially, or just you're, you're, you're just a local church member trying to play your role in the body, you need yeah. to know one thing. Don't weaponize scripture, but also don't minimize it. Yeah. There's a fine line. You don't, the scripture shouldn't uh, inflate your ego at all. It sure. should humble you. That's how you know you're using the scriptures well. Don't disregard them because other people have wielded them improperly. Mm-hmm. If someone, uh, this I was going to go this, a weird route with that one. I didn't because I'm smart. <laughs> that was about to get into the whole gun control <laughs> conversation. But if someone he, if someone takes the scripture and and uses that improperly, yeah. that doesn't mean the scripture that they they used isn't true. Sure. So Jesus will say this with the Pharisees and the the, the religious leaders and go look. Do what they say, not what they do. Even though they don't live according to what they say, it doesn't make it any less true. Hear what they say yeah, and do it because it's rooted in Scripture. So for Andy to just dance around it and disregard it and just and just go, hey, we have a lot to learn. You know, don't use the clobber passages. I would say don't clobber people. Mm. That's that's Leave that oh, that's to good. the thing. Don't clobber people. But don't shy away from standing on the truth either. Yeah. Stand... Yeah. On the truth. So for those of you that are in churches and you're like, I don't know how to navigate this, stand on the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't clobber people yeah. with your view. Whether you are, you believe the scripture teaches that same-sex attraction, uh, same-sex attraction is okay or not, mm. don't use scripture to uh, clobber, people. clobber anyone of the yeah. opposing view. Sure. Instead, have understanding conversations. Yeah. And be reasonable like the Bereans in Acts. Yeah, right. And it would be different if he used something like, I know the controversial passages, right? Because when he uses clobber, um, he's using those passages that he he mentions as he brings kind of a, a negative connotation to them. Rather than this is truth, this is infallible truth, right? This is God's word. I understand that there's controversy behind them and it's created sides, right? There's different sides or different interpretations to these uh, scriptures or these passages, right? It would be completely different if he would have said something like controversial because it's created issues rather than using those passages and giving them a negative tone to them. Yeah. And that's the issue that I see. If I use a, a scripture, Romans 1, sure. whatever it is, to um, oppress, hurt, uh, demean, 
anyone who struggles with same-sex attraction, I'm using that scripture improperly. Right. But that doesn't mean that what I'm saying about it isn't true. Like, you could easily be like, yeah, scripture says, sure, be understanding in your delivery. Mm -hmm. This is not just for communicators and preachers and teachers and content creators. This is for every, every one of you listening has a really strong... Uh, hold on certain views when it comes to scripture. Sure. And it's so tight that there's no room for understanding or compassion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you're like, this is what it is. And maybe it's church hurt. Maybe people of the opposing views have, have robbed you of, of you know, yeah. of, of your childhood or whatever it is. But that doesn't mean, therefore, I need to turn around and use this to break people down. Mm-hmm. It's never the reason for the scriptures. It should bring conviction, mm-hmm. encouragement, exhortation, direction, clarity, uh, a love for God. Never this condemning kind of shame yeah. that leaves people. So it, you might call it a clobber passage, sure. Andy. I'd call it scripture, yeah. regardless of how people have used it. It's scripture. And just to like kind of summarize what we're talking about, I think... Scripture should never be used against somebody. It should be used for somebody. That has to be the mindset. You're not there to debate your side and make sure that you're correct. You're there to show somebody what you see as the truth and see your perspective, but you're not there to prove them wrong. Like Even if you you think that they are on the quote-unquote wrong side or the wrong belief, you're there to help them and guide them and shepherd them. You're not there to put them down and break them down, as you said. So. That's right, because all throughout Scripture, the best use for Scripture is to build up. And sometimes mm-hmm. that requires things to be torn down in the process. Sure. That requires sin to become, uh, you need to become aware of your sinfulness and all that. But at the end of the day, the the goal of the believer and how I communicate Scripture should be, it is for the benefit of the other person. Yeah. If it's not, and it's for self-gain, you've already started on the wrong foot. So yeah. here's the second uh, I think this is the second, third, is the third stuff. clip. It's good stuff. Andy is going to, all right, go ahead, Andy. Never take someone's church away from them unnecessarily. Here's what huh. I mean by that. I'll give you an example about, I don't know, almost about a little over a year now. There's a pretty big church in Atlanta and they went 100% in on CRT. I mean, like just totally. And it not only divided the church, it almost destroyed the church. And here's what happens because here's what happens when pastors don't understand what it means to be a pastor. <clears throat> You end up taking the church, and again, this is what happens. This pastor has been there about six years. Well, there, have been, there are people there have been 16 years, 20 years, and the people that have been there longer than the pastor had to leave their church because of what this guy went in on. He unnecessarily took people's church away from them. Don't ever, I don't care what your view is or my view is, don't ever take someone's church away from them unnecessarily. That's Andy's main point. It's literally, I'm watching the video right now, it's yeah. on his screen. little TV screen he's mm-hmm. using to preach to the congregation. It says, never take someone's church away from them unnecessarily. Hmm. My question is, who has the authority to take someone's church away from them? Yeah, You decide hmm. whether you continue attending. Now, I know what he means. Like, you're presenting an issue sure. and you're making a, a big problem that is going to cause people to leave. Mm-hmm. That's not just on the part of the leader. Mm-hmm. That's on the part of the individuals who respond to that decision. Yeah. You can go up to the leader and talk through it. You can pray with them. You can come to an understanding. You can say, hey, I disagree, but I'm going to stick around to be mm-hmm. a part of the solution. Uh, the only, if, if you think the only decision is to leave because my leader takes a stance on something I strongly disagree with. Now, if it's sinful 
if it's calling something evil that God calls good or vice versa, mm-hmm. there's there's nuance to this. There's discernment. It's not always leave. It's not always stay. It's be wise, be biblical, be God honoring, do what promotes life and unity. Um, but I, I don't even know what he means technically when he says don't take someone's church unnecessarily yeah. away from them. Is there a necessary way to take people's church away from them then? Yeah. Because to say unnecessarily implies that there is a way to do it that is necessary. necessary. Yeah. And and maybe a question for you guys as you're listening and going, why does this relate to me at all? Because some of you are in local churches where this has happened mm-hmm. and the pastor has taken a stance or the leadership has made it clear where they stand on certain issues and the church split. Mm-hmm. Some of you are heading into that and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Some of you are a part of local churches where the leadership is talking about this right now behind closed doors. And you're going to hear this come out in the next few Sundays, wherever you're at, you need to understand that you are part of this, whether or not you chalk it up to just the leadership, mm-hmm. you're a part of it. So how do we create a culture as not just leaders, mm-hmm. but as believers, how do we create a culture where this is less likely to happen? Hmm. Meaning where people aren't so uh, aggressively splitting over the leadership taking a stance? Or how do we prevent, how do we create a culture where even if the leadership makes a wrong decision or takes a wrong stance, that the church is not going to fall apart? Sure. Like what makes a church community so brittle mm-hmm. and so fragile and so on edge that the minute any leader comes up and takes a stance, maybe a wrong stance on yeah. an issue, that the church splits. What makes a church so brittle hmm. um, is that maybe for some people it was the appropriate decision and God sure. led that. Sure, But I think the believers, you that are listening, you have a role to play in strengthening the church so that it doesn't fall apart so easily, mm. right? Because what Andy is, he's giving leaders more power than they technically have mm-hmm. i don't have the power to take away someone's church yeah i can make you stop coming no. i think well, in some sense like that's a different conversation yeah. but i can't take away someone's church away from them unnecessarily apart from me asking them to leave because of sin issues mm-hmm. or because of you know division or whatever they're yeah. causing I just me taking a stance on where we are as a church on same-sex attraction and what we believe the bible says mm-hmm. um that I don't have the power to make you stay or leave. Mm-hmm. I can just communicate where we're at. Is yeah. there anything you want to say? Yeah, I think I think the issue why we see so many uh, churches fall apart when when a pastor takes a stand or leadership takes a stand on a certain subject is because I think we've gotten accustomed, and I don't know if it's just the Western culture. Like I don't know if this is different, you know, Eastern, you know, church culture, but um, we've gotten acclimated to comfort. Um, like we think of Sunday mornings, we're entitled. Or, yeah, we've gotten so uh, comfortable in our place on a Sunday morning that we don't allow for um, moments of either, I, I guess, disagreement to come into play. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've gotten accustomed to um, causing ourselves to believe that I have to be at a church where everybody agrees with me rather than I can go to a church where maybe not everybody will agree with me and I can have these conversations and we could talk about this by opening up the scriptures and seeing what the Bible has to say about it. I think that's one of the issues why is because we've created that for ourselves. Yeah, and frankly, some people are afraid to be wrong and they're afraid that their views are pretty fragile 
and brittle, and they're mm-hmm. afraid to just the, the repercussions of being wrong. Sure. Um, Andy's going to continue talking. We're going to look at one, two, three, four clips kind of in, in unison where cool. he's essentially saying the same thing, but in a different way or describing a different dimension of it. So uh, pay attention to this. You know, because this is, you know, this, you saw some of this. It doesn't happen much anymore because it's so ridiculous. Pastors got up and we're affirming. They got up and announced, we're affirming. And then the next Sunday, half the congregation's gone. And it's the congregation is like, we are? I don't even know what that is. I, I, now I can't come back to my church. And why can't I come back to my church? Because we hired this bozo pastor and he just took my church away from me. Now, whether the person's right or wrong is irrelevant. Your pastors and your leaders don't take people's church away from them. <clears throat> that, that's what he means when he says, uh, pastors, leaders take people's church away from them is the fact that they make a public announcement to everyone mm. about something that the congregation did not see coming. It's a blind side. Sure. Like no one is aware of this. And all of a sudden the pastor gets up and goes, you know what guys, like I, I get the, the fact that, uh, good leaders won't catch their people off guard. Sure. I get that. Yeah. Like there should be a sense of, oh, we kind of, uh, kind of felt that being the, mm-hmm. the culture and the teaching and the yeah. leadership this isn't new we we sense this um or we knew this was coming or the people were prepared by the leadership but for a pastor to like or a preacher I, I get what he's saying the fact sure. that uh pastors get up and announce personally i find nothing wrong with pastors announcing where we are yeah um and, and maybe there's a way to do that where you're letting the people know something's up um, and you're not going to blindside them. Maybe there's a way to kind of ease them into that sure. instead of just making this hard turn. Hey, guys, I know we've been talking about Ephesians. Mm-hmm. I'm just all of a sudden going to take a stance randomly on same-sex attraction. It doesn't relate to Ephesians. Just wanted you guys to know. Like, there's a time, there's mm. a way, there's a there's a right approach to this, yeah. um, and there's a there's a right hot, heart posture to have. But he's going to get into the... like the real role of a pastor or shepherd from his perspective. And he's mm. going to kind of bash the typical pastor in the process mm-hmm. by saying these bozos getting up and saying, here's where we are when it comes to the same sex attraction, you know, issue. That's not a problem. And that doesn't necessitate people have to stay or leave. That's the person's decision. It's a person's decision. Yeah, I was going to add, but I think we should play this next clip before I add, because I think it would actually tie into what's coming up. Well, let me find that clip. <laughs> Where's that clip? Here it is. To be more snake-like in the appropriate Jesus kind of way, which means when people need to begin shifting their thinking, you don't get up and announce, you disciple and you teach people. So there are people, on the when it comes to the LGBTQ community and our churches, right? There's some people that want to drag us too fast, and there are some people who want to pull us back too hard. Welcome to leadership. Welcome to pastoring. It's okay. Yes, there are people who want to drag us too hard in one direction. Maybe the wrong direction, maybe the right Mm -hmm. direction. There are people who want to keep us back, whether the right or the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. What do you want to say about that? Isn't he kind of being hypocritical? By stating subtly (laughs) his own... Yes, in some ways he is. And I'll say it like that. I, I won't some say ways, fully. Yeah, I won't. Yeah, I won't put that on him. But I'm saying like it sounds like he's saying don't take a stance as he's taking a stance. Yes, in a certain sense. Yes. Hey guys, don't take this big public stance. Me at a leadership conference yeah. <laughs> taking a stance like that should be a meme. And uh, and and again, 
this is not at all to demean the character no. or the or the or the person of Andy. Just the presentation of this comes a bit off. Is this the link to the article? I wanted to pull it up. I have it underlined. Can you? Uh, pull I, up can, that yeah, I can. Pull it up right we have an article that links neatly to this, but I have no problem with leadership publicly announcing um, a stance on certain issues and what they believe the Bible says about that issue, even if it's different um, than than what other people think. That's fine. Uh, maybe he's hinting at the idea that there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. I agree, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as leaders of all forms, leaders in family, leaders in at work, leaders at school, leaders in my neighborhood, leaders from my you know neighborhood watch team. I don't know what what you guys lead nowadays. But as leaders, okay, of all forms, we need to know what it looks like to um, shepherd like Jesus, mm-hmm. and how to recognize good leaders. Because some of you are going, I'm not a church leader. I'll never be one. That's fine. Do you know how to recognize good, solid, biblical pastors? I'm not saying perfect, yeah, but I'm saying good, reliable, trustworthy pastors who are trying to follow Jesus as best as they can, and they're trying to be as biblical as they can. Do you know how to recognize those? And then, okay, you are part of this equation. Do you know how to help the leadership establish healthy culture? that equips and shepherds well. That's not just on the part of the shepherd. Sure. Okay? So we are saying there is a wrong way to publicly announce things and take stances, and there's Mm -hmm. wisdom and discernment, and there's even a level of shrewdness. Yeah. Not deception or, you know, being dishonest, right? But this is um, an article on Baptist News Global. Okay? The headline is, Members of Florida Church are required to sign biblical sexuality statement or... Mm -hmm they'll be removed from membership. This is in Jacksonville, Florida, like where we are. Yikes. Uh, they have until March 19th to sign a statement on biblical sexuality or they'll be removed from membership. Wow. Lots of people are clapping their hands for this yeah. and lots of people are booing. So we're not going to say whether or not this is a clapping or booing mm-hmm. scenario. What we are going to say is there are both, it might be the right heart, but it might be the wrong approach. Yeah, I'm saying might because again, there's some people would see this and go, "Yes, finally a church taking a stance." Sure, there's a difference between taking a stance and forcing people into that position mm-hmm. or they can't attend. Mm-hmm. Like the element of, "Hey, sign this by March 19th, or you can't be a member here," seems a little too legalistic to me. Yeah. Whereas other leaders would go, "No, that's necessary." I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But but this relates to what we're talking about, Andy Stanley, how, uh, so Andy, do you not want us as a church or as leadership to take any stance on certain Mm -hmm. issues? Like, would it rather, would it be better if we were quiet and we let the church kind of figure out where we are? Because we don't want to cause problems. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cause a division. Now, this is where we get into the whole people pleasing game. Sure. Like, well, it's better to say nothing and not cause unnecessary problems. It's sometimes it's better to say something so your people know where you're at, mm-hmm. so they know what direction you're going, so they know what role they can play, so they know whether that's the place for them instead of keeping them in the dark and going, we're never going to say anything unless you ask because you want to keep you around. Yeah, It becomes a, a numbers game. But for this church, on the f- other side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. goes, yeah, you're going to know where we are. Yeah. But also, you're going to go with us or you're leaving. Mm-hmm. So this is a good example of what Andy is saying, uh, keeping people, taking people's church from them. This is a literal example of yeah. people 
leadership saying, we're taking this church away from you and mm. saying, you can't be a member if you don't agree with our stance mm-hmm. on biblical sexuality. Yeah. Now, uh, we can get into the why that's good and why that's not good and what mm-hmm. they could have done differently. Sure. Uh, the point is, okay, that we're not bashing Andy, but we're not no. exactly approving of what he's saying either. No. And uh, no, same you're like, you hypocrite, you take a stance. Okay, we're saying part of what he's saying is right. Yeah. Part of what he's saying is not right, and mm-hmm. the approach to it is wrong. Yeah. And we can glean wisdom and chew the meat and spit out the bones. And I think in right. this situation, for those of you that are church members, it'd be helpful for you to discern whether your leadership sure. is uh, too flippant and relaxed, mm-hmm. or if they're possibly too oppressive and legalistic, or if they're yeah. in between. That's a safe mm-hmm. spot, mm-hmm. right? Don't be so legalistic that you force people into positions, but... Don't be so soft that no one knows where you stand. Yeah, and I do appreciate the heart behind, you know, wanting to protect those that are coming to church, like having a, a hospitable heart, a welcoming heart you right. know, for those that are coming to the church. Um, and then on the other side, you know, it's a little difficult to see that there's a church that is pretty much like warranting, uh, you know, mm. uh, is that the right word? I don't even want to say it. No, restricting. Uh, I want to say restricting people um, to enter in their church because they don't necessarily agree with them. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying when I was saying we've gotten accustomed to comfort um, because we want people to agree with us and we want, you know, Sunday mornings to be relaxed. We don't want to mm-hmm. get into scuffles with, right. you know, different conversations with our, you know, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so um, I think it's important to point that out. You know, I, I we understand the heart of it what Andy's trying to say. That's right. Um, but I think it comes off in the wrong extreme, you know, yeah. the wrong side. There's a middle ground. There's when it comes ground. to the Jacksonville church doing this though, uh, I understand that their, their probably reasoning is, Hey, not only is this biblical yeah. that the stance we're taking is right, but also we're preventing any collateral damage mm-hmm. and any unnecessary issues by just removing people who would otherwise promote a wrong biblical view of sexuality. Yeah. I, I get that. But is the only solution to just remove them? Or, mm. like Andy's talking about discipleship. He's saying, hey, don't get up and announce disciple people. Yeah. But I don't think you have to choose. I think you it's both. both and. Yeah. Disciple and get up and announce. Absolutely. Let people know where you stand while helping them move in that direction theologically or mm. in their own life or helping them learn how to communicate that. So it's not hey, disciple people quietly and let them discover your views in private mm-hmm. and don't announce things. Yeah. It's do things on a public and a private mm-hmm. level for your congregation, right? But be consistent across the board instead of letting there be confusion. I would say on the other side too, if you're a church and you are taking a stance, I think that that allows for, it warrants, that there it is. Warrants. It warrants. Um for conversation to happen. It allows for conversation to start. So don't just say something and then cut it off and like, okay, we're going to like leave it there. This should allow for a conversation to happen within your church and for it to, you know, it's going to be a healthy conversation. Like you're going to be able to, there might be some arguing, there might be some, you know, heated conversation in some sort of sense, but you should be allowing for that to happen because people need clarity. Um, because people are going to have different backgrounds, different experiences, presuppositions, pre-understandings, all these different things Mm -hmm. that will throw them in a loop. Um, if they are on the, uh, you know, the opposite side, but then on the other end, you know, you're going to have people that agree with you. And so, you need to have conversation, not just shut it down right when you announce it. So, so there's a difference between 
being non-committed, like we don't take a stance, and being, um, I don't know, I would say oppressive and tyrannical and, you know, shoving people into a position. Sure. Um, we should make it clear where we are, but don't be overly divisive and be like, I need to be public about everything. I need to make a stance now <laughs> for my church this Sunday and let them know everywhere we stand. Maybe that's what God's leading you to do. Maybe there's a better way to do sure. it. Um, or maybe there are some things that you need to talk through a little more and know why you stand on that biblically and talk with your leadership about yeah. that. Uh, but don't just jump into things because you saw some YouTube clip and now it's convinced you to take a public stance. So as we navigate through this, you know, conversation, is there anything for you that you feel um, that is kind of a personal experience that you can relate this to at all? Um, there's some things that are worth holding tightly to mm -hmm. where it's like, um, hey, you can't lead if you disagree with the biblical gospel and the historical yeah. gospel of Jesus Christ. There are standards that you shouldn't budge on. There are non-negotiables. There are expectations and standards we should hold people to. Um, but to say that, uh, you know, you can't attend our church or, or be a member, at least you sure. can't be a member because you don't, uh, I don't know, agree with our stance on biblical sexuality for some people might be too far for some people sure. it's perfect because I understand like members are going to have a deeper, uh, experience with the church life and going to have more of an impact on the church community because they're members and they probably get more say in voting and stuff and decisions that are made. So this is probably like, you know, taking precaution and making sure the right people are making decisions for the church and affecting leadership. I yeah. get that. But um, in some ways it, it comes off as a little too forceful, but yeah, I don't have necessarily a personal experience that off the top of my head, maybe I'll think of one as Andy communicates this second sure. to last set of words stick my notes terrible leadership because they skipped discipleship teaching preparing and nudging they played the role of a prophet not a pastor you are not a prophet you are a pastor okay. very different role all right prophets drop like in it. and drop truth bombs and then they get on their chariot and go to the next place and drop truth that's not what we're doing we are leading people we are not pace setters. Okay. We're pastors and shepherds pastors set direction and they monitor the pace they do not set the pace Ruslan likes that. He says, pastors set the direction and monitor the pace. They don't set the pace. Before that, he said, you know, you're a, you're a pastor. Not a prophet. Prophets drop bombs and then take off. Um, in some sense, he's right. That seems to be more unique to the role of prophet. Yeah. Delivering a word, dipping, Elijah. But at the same time, prophets have just as much influence on the leadership and the trajectory of a nation and a, and a community <laughs> yeah. as much as a shepherd, as much as a, a teacher and preacher. Now, for those of you that are more cessationist in theology, you would disagree, but the point is in the Old Testament, at least, we can all agree that God does um, 
he judges not just the priests, not just the ungodly kings of Israel and the wicked uh, priests, but the wicked prophets. Because specifically, those three roles are given to govern and guide an entire nation, that being the nation of Israel. So to say that prophets are fundamentally different than pastors or shepherds, I think is a wrong statement. I think prophets have uh, maybe an extra responsibility in terms of being prophetically uh, used as a mouthpiece of God, mm-hmm. that's different than the typical king or the typical priest. Mm-hmm. Priests teach, kings, you know, govern and institute laws and and help the people, all that stuff. But the pastor and prophet role is not. It's not like there's no crossover between them. Right. There's They're a lot of crossover. Different. So yeah. I, I think he's starting on a wrong premise because he's going to say pastor set direction and monitor the pace, mm-hmm. and that's going to be pretty much foundational to what he thinks church leadership should do about the conversation of same-sex attraction is since they just set the pace or the direction and they don't Mm. set the pace. Um, We need to be wise about how we announce and even if we should announce our stance. Um, But Mm. prophets just as much, uh, not just as much, but prophets just like kings and priests do play a role in leading the people, in leading the nation and the community. They don't just drop a bomb, a prophetic bomb, and leave. They're there to, I mean, Moses was a prophet. Elijah's a prophet. Think of these these men, Samuel. Yeah. They actually were leading, helping lead the nation and the people just as much as a pastor or shepherd is doing mm. in a local community. So mm. when he says don't, that pastors don't set the pace, Yeah, I wonder what he means, like in what ways. Because I, I, I agree, if you mean that God sets the pace. Mm-hmm. God sets the ideal pace for a local church. Sure. He knows what is best and mm-hmm. how fast they should be moving towards certain things and instituting certain things and making certain decisions. Okay, But it is on the part of a pastor or shepherd right, to decide whether or not they and the leadership are going to uh, come under the pace of God. Yeah, They do set the pace in that sense, meaning we will either follow the pace of God or we will not. Pastors do have a role in that. Mm. So I think it's unfair to, to, to make this statement. I think it's false, first of all. Mm-hmm. But then if that's false, then his conclusion about what we should do when it comes to same-sex attracted believers, that is also not going to be a helpful application sure. because yeah. of his premise being false. Um, I, I Looking at the the screen (laughs) and on his little TV. It's like, you know, he's doing his slides and stuff, but it says pastor set direction and monitor the pace. That to me almost contradicts what he just said in the last point, which is like pastors don't get up and announce or affirm something that they stand on Mm -hmm. when he's then saying, but, but pastors still set direction and monitor the pace. Isn't that monitoring and setting a direction when you're standing up for something and you're talking about your beliefs and things like that? I mean, it just seems like there's a little bit of, not hypocrisy, but it just seems like he's kind of missing on on some of his own points. Maybe he means the main role of a pastor is not merely to set set the pace of a congregation. Uh, Again, whatever that means. But I think also... um, He's not saying that. Like his statement is literally: pastors set direction, monitor the pace. They do not set the pace. Um, if you are a local church member, 
uh, you need to understand that whether or not you assign this influence to your leadership and your pastor, they already have it. They mm-hmm. have their they have the authority and the influence to set the pace and the direction of the community. They don't always do it in a way that honors God. Sure. They don't always lean the congregation the direction of God's plan. I'm not saying they always do the do it the right way, but they do have the influence and the authority mm-hmm. to lead the congregation, not on their own, but with the other leaders involved, the elders. They do set the pace of the church. How fast will we adapt to this? How mm-hmm. fast will we implement this? Mm-hmm. How fast will it take us to get through this series? How fast will we deal with this situation in our congregation? They do set the pace. Yeah. And so some of you uh, that are attending local churches, you, you leaders know this. Like you know this inherently that God has put me in place to make sure, not just that I'm monitoring the pace of my people, not my people, but God's people, the, the people I'm called to, to, to lead, but I'm also called to make sure that the pace we've set for our community is aligned with God's step, and we want to be in step with His pace. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important. As, as a local church leader and member, you have to ask yourself constantly, in all that you do, in all decisions that you make, in family and finances, in school, in your own vision and, and ambitions, are you going the pace that God has set for you? Mm-hmm. And if you don't periodically check back with Him, you end up making decisions that aren't the most helpful to the church or the people around you that you influence. Like Andy right now, doesn't seem to be making the best decision about the words he's chosen to mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, same-sex affirming and being okay with that. And he's not choosing his words carefully yeah. um, and, and being clear about what he's where yeah. he stands. And so as a leader, he is setting the pace for those other leaders. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there to learn from him. Right. So he's, in, in one sense, saying, hey, this is the pace. Adapt, conform, affirm as much as, you know. And he's not explicitly saying those things, but within his his confusing statements, mm-hmm. y- you leave going, I think that's what he meant. But I think I'm that's what he meant. Sure. That, but I'm not entirely sure. So yeah. basically, Andy Stanley gave me permission to either affirm or not instead of standing on the truth and saying, mm-hmm. this is what God's word says. Mm-hmm. This is wrong. Let's make sure we let the people know we believe it's wrong yeah. so that we are setting the pace in that sense. This is not oppressive and domineering. This is not abusing authority. This is using the God-given authority leaders have mm-hmm. been given, especially shepherds, to care and protect, care for and protect the people. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself, do I belong to a church community that truly, or a leadership, do they truly care for the people here? Mm-hmm. Do they care about God's pace? Or do they just have vision and whatever idea they come up with, they run after that? You need to think through these things. That's really helpful. All right. Here's the last clip of Andy Stanley. Too many, you're smart. You think about these things all the time. There are too many variables to expect everybody in our churches to keep up with our pace on anything. Not because the people in our church aren't smart, because they're busy. We think about this stuff all the time. So good leaders don't get up and announce change. Good leaders get up and they lead toward change. If you want to be an announcer, apply to be an announcer somewhere. That's not what we do. Our job is to lead, model, disciple, equip people to navigate cultural shifts in keeping with the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Yes. Help people navigate cultural shifts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Equip people to do that. Yeah. Give them the knowledge and the, and the theology and the mm-hmm. discernment by the grace of God to effectively navigate these things with or without you as their pastor. Yeah. Equip them to do that. Yeah. He says there are too many variables 
to expect the people to keep up with our pace on anything. I understand that's he's stepping into the shoes of his people going, they have busy lives. They aren't thinking about the sermon when they even get in their car and leave from the service, sure. right? They have other things to think about. I think that's a healthy, uh, understanding to have of his people. He says, good leaders don't announce change, but they help people navigate cultural shifts. And again, both and. Yeah. It's not either or. Yeah. It's not you either announce or you lead by example. It's both. both. You <laughs> disciple and, and direct the congregation towards what you believe is the biblical ideal, right? Yeah. And then you make an announcement about where you stand so everyone knows where the goal is. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what you're aiming for. Everyone knows what it is that we agree on. And even if there are things we don't agree on, we agree on the the ultimate goal and trajectory of our local mm-hmm. church. So you have to ask yourself, leader, local church member, do you attend a church where it's very clear where the leaderships and, and, and the overall theology is at? And do they help you navigate cultural shifts or do they tell you what to think about it? Hmm. Because I think, and again, maybe I'm creating a false, you know, uh, division here, but I believe we should tell people what the scriptures tell us to think about things mm-hmm. um, and also help them to learn to think biblically without us telling them. Right. In other words, I don't want to tell you what to think. I also want to tell you how to think, mm-hmm. how I came to this conclusion, mm-hmm. how I decided this is a biblical, reasonable conclusion to come to about same-sex attraction and what God thinks about it. Mm-hmm. There are too many variables for people to keep up with our pace. But when you hold people to that standard and you say, well, every Sunday I'm working with people who don't really care about our pace, um, I believe you've set the bar too low. There's a difference between being realistic and then lowering the bar and and saying people are going to stay here. Call Mm -hmm. them higher. Mm -hmm. Understand where they are. They don't care. Not so much. I want them to care more. Yeah, help them rise to that. Yeah. Help them set the pace in such a way where people begin to care mm-hmm. and they begin to understand where you stand as a local church. Yeah. Navigating cultural shifts is hard. Yeah. It's going to happen for the rest of our lives. We're going to navigate a lot more cultural shifts. Yeah. Are you ready? Is your is your leadership preparing you for it? Mm-hmm. You have to ask these questions because if you're just going to get a good moral therapeutic word of the week and then you leave going, mm, yes, now I know how to can you know scheme my way into getting god's blessings but you have no real substantial discernment or Mm. knowledge about real world problems um then i believe i wouldn't say find a different church but maybe have a conversation with your leadership and your pastor your teacher and say hey there's some real world issues going on can you equip us not just to like know what to think about them Mm -hmm. but teach us how to think properly Mm. about these things Mm. and and what it means to think Biblically, yeah, we need to be taught that, and I think pastors should have the expectation that their people need to be taught that. Otherwise, mm. you you leave it up to someone else. You're the pastor and the shepherd, the elder. You're the you're the leadership entrusted with these people, real souls. Mm-hmm. Hebrews talks about this, um, and you need to take it a little more seriously than than, than typically uh, is most common in everyday church services. Yes, yeah. so. And I would have to disagree with that last part of the statement where it says good leaders don't announce change, but to help people navigate cultural shifts. That's where you said that it's it's a both end. They're not necessarily, again, mm-hmm. they're not mutually exclusive. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that good leaders actually communicate change 
in order to also show and replicate what that change is supposed to look like um, rather than just leaving uh, people in the dust to figure out what that looks like right. or um, for them to figure out, okay, what's the change going to be if they don't announce it? You know what I mean? So I think it's important for, for both, you know, for good leaders to communicate to their congregation, but also to their leaders right. uh, to discuss that with the leaders. Cause I mean, that has to happen before the scenes, like behind the scenes before they, you know, go out and announces to discuss and to, you know, properly um, go through the, the proper progression of um, what that change would look like with their elders, you know, with the leadership, you know, group, whatever team or whatever it might be leaders have to communicate. And so um, and that's one of the most powerful tools that a leader can do. If you're not setting the bar, setting the pace, setting the standard, um, all those different things. I mean, you're not necessarily leading people. You're just, you know, causing people to um, guess, you know, what you're standing up for. So whether you like it or not, God has given you the role yeah. and the position in church leadership to be an example to the people. Whether mm-hmm. you're setting a good or bad example doesn't change the fact that people are looking to you as a kind of role model, an mm-hmm. example of what Christian living should look like. Yeah. So even if you're like, well, I, I don't do that, you, you still are. Whether yeah. you deny it or accept and embrace it, you are helping with the other leaders mm-hmm. involved set the pace for the local church. So some leaders implement church uh, change too quickly. And Mm. it's like, hey, we just discovered this new idea. just came back from a conference. We're going to make all these changes. That's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Make changes over time. Make changes prayerfully. Make changes uh, letting the people know what's coming so they can make some kind of preparation or even be a part of the decision-making process and help you make the appropriate decision about that kind of change. But leaders that come in and just change everything every week, Mm. every day, every every day there's something new they want to like add to the church. That's not helpful. But making no changes at all and making no public stances at all is not the right solution. So this is for even those of you who are uh, online content creators, just typical uh, creator in in life. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're a leader in church, if you're a a church member, wherever you fall, you're a parent and you have godly, not godly yet, maybe you do have godly kids, but you have kids that you want to lead towards Christ. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, when it comes to navigating cultural shifts, we need to understand not everything should be uh, accepted, mm-hmm. not everything should be rejected either, mm-hmm. but not everything uh, needs to be um, redeemed either. There are three categories. Mm-hmm. Either I need to redeem that, I need to embrace it, or I need to deny it. Mm-hmm. And in your own walk with the Lord, um, as especially as part of your local church, uh, you're going to be a part of um, that cultural embracing, mm-hmm. uh, denying, redeeming, um, or, or you're just going to take the back seat and be like, life is too busy. And, and actually like you're going to prove Andy Stanley, right? Mm. He's assuming that there's a kind of person who's mm. like, they're too busy for church. They really don't know how to keep up with the pace. You can either prove him right mm. or make a change in your local church. Um, that you think needs to happen by talking with leadership and and your pastors and and maybe not even assuming you have the right solution, but to go, hey, I just see a problem, or I just see you uh, saying this about a biblical issue that I think you're wrong on. I just like to talk to you about it. Don't be that like overly critical person. That's like everything everything I I find you're just looking for something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be that. But right. don't shy away from helping your local church or helping your family. Um, think differently about the cultural shifts that are taking 
place all around us. You know, right. whether it's should we watch the show The Chosen? Uh, should we wear masks? Should we all mm. these different things? That's like mm. uh, some of them for some people are like black and white issues. Yeah. For other people, it's like oh, it's pretty gray, pretty neutral. Mm-hmm. What whatever it is. Uh, to not talk about it or to make too strong of a stance on it and like mm. bully people into it, those are not the two options I would I would consider mm-hmm. taking. I would take a different option, which is be gracious, understanding, thoughtful, but also not compromise. And I want to play my role by leading, by mm-hmm. example. Just because you don't have a church leadership position doesn't mean you can't lead by example, um, by helping others think biblically or you know demonstrating true biblical uh truth through your life mm-hmm. um so anything else you want to say as as we close up oh that's a good question um you know i would i would say overall like it's important when we're looking at all of these points that andy is making um just to realize that you know don't back away from or don't shy away from communicating and being director or even just sitting down with your team and talking about these changes that are happening. Don't be afraid to have these conversations. I mean, I think one of some of the healthiest times that I've had, you know, in leadership conversations or things like that is when we've come together and we've talked about certain issues, you know, if it's current events or things that are happening in the world and we've been mindful of those things, we've, you know, brought it to prayer. We've brought it to um, the conversation where, you know, we talk about, you know, how we're going to, you know, use it on stage or, you know, in w- within the worship service and things like that, you know, um, bringing these things to light, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily shying away from them. It's healthy. It's healthy to do. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the approach that Andy has, which is like, don't even talk about it at all. Let, you know, let people assume, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I really think that it's important to have these conversations and, um, to allow for people to soak in what the church believes in um, by hearing what they have to say rather than just them doing and doing it and assuming that they you know believe in something certain. So, And I guess closing, I would say um, there are a lot of Christians who would rather not know what's going on in culture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether like it just troubles them or it causes angst or anxiety or they just don't want to have to learn new things or they'd rather just stay the same whatever the reason is my encouragement to you wherever you're at content creator church leader everyday believer trying to live life and lead godly kids is don't obsess over knowing everything in the culture right but don't uh shy away from everything either yeah don't disregard everything and be like well we don't need to know that god is faithful god is faithful but at the same time, he's involved you in his plan, mm-hmm. and the better you are aware of the world he's immersed you into uh, and and put you into to lead by example, the better you know how to contextualize the gospel, how yeah. to present the truth, how to, yeah. how to live in a way that honors Christ and actually grabs the attention of the people mm-hmm. around you. So don't obsess over knowing every cultural shift. Mm-hmm. Don't obsess over having a stance on everything yet, right? Yeah. Don't don't over yeah. overwhelm yourself, but also don't be in the dark about everything and and just chalk it up to well, God's sovereign, God is sovereign, and He's sovereignly decided mm-hmm. that you can be aware of what's going on in the world around mm-hmm. you, so that you're prepared and you're ready um, 
and understand that there is a degree of awareness believers need to have yeah. about certain things in culture. There are shifts coming. There are things happening. Mm-hmm. We're headed towards a, a, a we're in a technological mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different things that we actually should consider when it comes to our leadership, when it comes to just living godly. And I'm going to end with this. There's, uh, I want to actually read a text. Um, I messaged uh, a fellow believer who struggles with same-sex attraction, and they said I could share this message. I reached out and I said, what do you think about the whole Andy Stanley thing? And as someone who struggles with this, and this is what they said. One of his teaching slides said, quote, leading our churches to acknowledge there are gay people, not just straight people with a sin problem, end quote. They said, this is true enough. However, affirming someone's sin issues and making justifications for them is very different than evangelizing to them and counseling them and showing them love, all while speaking the truth from a non-affirming position. We know that sanctification takes time. We can't expect people to be fully transformed at conversion. But if conversion truly takes place, the Holy Spirit will begin His work of convicting and illuminating the areas where the old man needs to be put to death. Those in ministry and leadership positions should be shepherding believers with the truth as they walk through this process, not creating confusion by affirming or excusing sin. There was a lot said, uh, and there was some especially disturbing quotes they, um, they referenced. But the point is, even a fellow believer who struggles with the same thing is going, no, this is not the right approach. Wow. This is not the right stance. Uh, scripture doesn't affirm this as okay. Yeah. So if we're affirming what God explicitly opposes, there's a problem. And and mm-hmm. and 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 I'll one. <laughs> you need to understand that you're in a local church. You need to know that not just same sex attraction is a big old thing going on in culture, mm-hmm. but mega churches potentially mm-hmm. are starting to affirm it as yeah. okay. Yeah. And what will you do? Um, not necessarily to go and expose them, but to push against the grains of what the enemy is trying to normalize. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, it's important as church leaders to communicate, again, not to obsess over it or mm-hmm. not to shy away from, but it's important to talk about it so that you can prepare about it. That's right. Um, you know, because again, there could be those, you know, those people that are new to the church and they walk up and they say, you know, I would like to lead. I deal with this issue. Are you prepared to answer that, that question? Are you prepared to talk about, you know, whether it is same sex attraction or, um, you know, uh, social media and the use of it in the church, you know, things like that. Are you ready to have that conversation? Have you had that conversation with your church leaders? If you're in church leadership, like have you as a group gotten together and talked about this? If you're a congregant, have you gone to your pastor and asked them, you know, what is our stance on this? Because I haven't clearly seen that in, you know, our worship service or, you know, in our, in our beliefs or whatever that is. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on it? If you're a parent, like, have you researched on it? Have you, mm-hmm. um, gone to somebody who you look up to as a parent that doesn't have a bias, you know, towards you, um, to seek counsel for them? You know, how have you prepared yourself, um, to put yourself in the best position so that when those conversations or those topics or whatever those questions might be come up, um, you know, are you prepared for it as best as you can? That's right. That's the best thing we can end with is be prepared, be ready, educated, um, because to think to, I guess, prolong the inevitable and try and avoid dealing with these issues Mm -hmm. uh, for so long is going to set you up for 
failure. So I want to close with saying one thing. Let's make sure we never say it's clobbering times. Hey, thanks for listening to today's Above Reproach Church podcast. If you've benefited from this content or this ministry in any way, there are a number of ways you can support what we're doing to help people move towards Jesus. We're completely funded by generous supporters like you, so if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can head to abovereproachministry.com slash donate, and you can give through debit or credit card, you can give through PayPal, Venmo, Patreon, or even just mail a check to P.O. Box 338, Green Cove Springs, Florida 32043. Or grab some of our church merch to represent Jesus on your body wherever you go. Either way, while you're on the website, check out all of our free resources, our online church, my book Fruitful, as well as everything else going on in our online ministry. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep moving towards Jesus.